Hi, and welcome to the Stefan Levero podcast. Today, for episode 234, I have a very special guest. He is Dr. Ron Paul, legendary libertarian, former congressman and presidential candidate, and he's also the host of the Ron Paul Liberty Report. So I I had the great opportunity to speak with him, and this was only a short interview. I only had 30 minutes, but uh, I'm sure you will enjoy the conversation I had with Dr. Paul. This show brought to you by swanbitcoin.com, the best place to auto stack your Bitcoin in the US with incredibly easy setup and low fees. They're available in all 50 US states. They're Bitcoin only, and they're focused on teaching you how to take self-custody of your Bitcoins as well. So definitely go there. They have a really great offering in terms of providing a simple and cost-effective way to regularly start buying Bitcoin. So go to swanbitcoin.com and sign up. Knox is a Bitcoin custodian dedicated to ensuring that their insurance protection covers the full value of their customers' assets. So, for example, if a fiduciary wants to hold $250 million of Bitcoin with Knox, Knox will seek to obtain $250 million of insurance exclusively for that account and adjustable to volatility. So, if you are a Bitcoin company, investment fund, trust, or family office, check out Knox for your insured custody. KnoxCustody.com Lend at HodlHodl is a global Bitcoin-backed lending platform that allows you to lend and borrow anonymously on your own terms. It's a P2P solution and they provide a unique multi-signature escrow for each deal. So you can grow your savings and earn attractive returns on your investment. So if you have stable coins lying around, create your offers and earn interest by lending. Or if you are a Bitcoin holder and you need some liquidity, you can borrow stable coins and keep hodling. So with HodlHodl's Lend platform, you set your terms and put up offers depending on how long you want to borrow or lend and interest rates. Go check it out at lend.hodlhodl.com. Dr. Paul, you've been an inspiration for many of us. Uh, Welcome to the show. Good to be with you today. Uh, Dr. Paul, so uh, we we are in the uh, coming, this is a podcast mainly about the Bitcoin world. And uh, I'd love to get your thoughts on where we are in this whole uh, Bitcoin uh, revolution. Uh, we are, you know, as we speak today, it's December 2020, and Bitcoin started in January 2009, and so it's right. come a long way. So I'm curious as to your views on, uh, you know, as someone who's not necessarily deeply into the world, what's your view on the Bitcoin world and the chances for uh, increased liberty as a result? Well, I, I think there's. Um you know, a lot of questions to be answered. I don't think the conclusion is there yet. I've been impressed with what's happened in in these few years because I think uh, some people predicted it would be this popular. Other people were skeptical. And I think that still exists. And uh, my introduction to it has been mainly more philosophic and legalistic because uh, I knew about this when it was coming uh, into vogue when I was in Congress. So I thought the important thing is that we should do whatever we can to make it legal because, uh, uh, and that's why I had a bill in that would be legalizing competing currencies because if it's to be used as money, you're competing with the dollar. And so, you know, there are some people who don't like that, you know, and they, and they want to know what's going on. And sometimes there are tax collectors out there too that want to know exactly what people are doing on alternative currency. But I was mainly interested in to make sure that it was legal. 
And I, I think basically is a lot of people are trusting, a lot of people are buying and selling, but that doesn't totally reassure me because I have a, a skepticism of government all the time. See, I don't even have uh, total reassurance that the government is just, not going to come along and want to confiscate my gold, <laughs> you know, this sort of thing. Governments are pretty ornery. So since, uh, you know, the more successful crypto is going to be and Bitcoin is going to be, I think the more you have to be aware of, uh, of what's going on and the government will become more aggressive. I think about it in education. You know, if you if you're doing private education outside the government education, such as homeschooling or private schooling, if you're too successful, the government's going to want to close you down and the government schools don't want the competition. I think that's the way it is in finance too. But uh, as of now, it looks like a lot of people who believe in our marketplace uh, believe it can work. Uh, but I think I would, my advice is, uh, yes, uh, be vigilant, you know, because, uh, you know, there's information collected. The exchanges aren't uh, totally anonymous. And I read the stories about, uh, you know, the IRS uh, checking up on things. And, and, you know, for somebody like myself, I don't even believe in the IRS, let alone being flexible enough. Well, as long as I have the IRS investigating me and we follow the rules, well, you know, in 1932, uh, in the depth of the depression, uh, people were allowed to own gold, you know, and we were on the gold standard. But immediately, what did they do? <laughs> they closed shop. And it made it, they made it illegal to own gold for you know, all the way up until 1975. So that's why, you know, I got into politics and that's why I've remained a skeptic. And, uh, and I think it's legitimate. Uh, but uh, nobody claims that we've ever had a perfect system. But I, I sort of strive for that. For me, the perfect system is uh, freedom of choice. And then you and I can decide exactly what we should use as our monetary system. But today that's not here. But I like the idea that cryptocurrency has made people think about it. I, the one other thing I like about it, so far it looks like there's going to be a limitation of the creation of new currency. And that's that's the big thing. If, if this if this occurs and you just can't expand it, that's the biggest evil. So when I endorse cryptocurrencies, uh, I uh, always admonish and say, yeah, it'll work if, uh, if, if it's, uh, if, if fraud is prohibited because governments are used to doing the fraud and that's why the systems are, always go badly. So I think that would be very bad, but that's human nature. And there have been, you know, episodes of people taking crypto that they shouldn't be taking, uh, but that's good that, you know, in the marketplace, it's sort of like if, uh, if, you're a, uh, if your business is being robbed in a free market, you'll get some guards. <laughs> so I think, uh, the protection has to come uh, from the uh, technological viewpoint so that uh, people can remain assured. Because if there's not, I don't think the government is going to come to the rescue and say, we want to make it secure and nobody lose anything. They're not going to do that. But if, uh, if, if there is a problem, there's a tremendous incentive you know, to have security. And of course, there are some that are very satisfied with it. And I'm sort of cautiously optimistic about that. Thank you, Dr. Paul. And I'm also curious as to your view on, obviously, Bitcoin appeals to many libertarians, right? Libertarians, we are probably the optimal demographic to be in, into Bitcoin. And yet I notice there are a lot of libertarians who aren't that into Bitcoin and they don't necessarily 
see the promise. I'm curious as to your view on why that is. Well, I think that's because people are individual. You know, uh, I, I imagine that uh, there's not one uh, feature of, uh, of the people involved because there might be some that just love it for the technology of it and they think it's a transfer system and others say, well, no, this is money is gonna compete with the dollar and this sort of thing. So it's for different reason. And I'm mostly interested in because uh, I see this as not a creature of the government but uh, the government's watching very closely. Uh, so I think everybody gets involved for, for different reasons. Some people, I've, I've uh, met some people who are really, really into it and have made a lot of money and their, their balance sheet has, has grown. And uh, their whole goal is just, well, I know what's gonna happen in 10 years. I'm buying when I can and I'm gonna sit there and I'm gonna hold. Well, maybe, but uh, I'm not smart enough to know that for sure. And there's, there's gonna be a variation, that's just human nature. Uh, and that's why I want individuals to have this flexibility because if, uh, if, if your goals are slightly different than mine and you have all the authority, uh, it might not please me. So if we have a system, and I, I hope this system provides it, that uh, you can be involved in uh, cryptocurrencies and work with other people that you have some agreement, and uh, I would have to use mine in maybe a slightly different way. I, uh, and and I, think, I think there's just a, 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 some time left before all this is ironed out, because I don't think people know uh, the, the, the absolute future, and uh, that's because you cannot estimate and predict human action. Human action is an individual thing and it's going to vary. What we wanna do is legalize human action and it varies. And uh, that gives us the really a good philosophic uh, intellectual opposition to the authoritarians in government. Of course. And uh, do you then see it as some combination of technology that helps enable a more libertarian future and also some level of politics and some level of call it activism or lobbying or some level of um, political support to help enable the overall vision. Right. Yeah, I think I think both, because I think uh, the libertarian uh, understanding, uh, they certainly were uh, aware of this and knew about it and wrote about it and they were excited about it. But uh, I don't know anything about the numbers, but there's uh, billions and billions of dollars invested. And believe me, I don't believe they're all good libertarians. I think they're smart people and they're able to do it. And, and they see this as a vehicle that uh, has a positive future. So they're willing to make a business decision on it. And uh, their attitude would be quite different. But that the way maybe it would be on gold and silver and everything else. Some people might think it's a store of value only and, uh, and hold it and they might, somebody else might want to do it because the, they know it has a uh, metallic value of uh, a uh, industrial value to it. So there'll be, be different reasons. And uh, I think that's the way it is where I don't think you can get everybody to agree exactly why you have crypto and how it works. You, you know, uh, there'll, there'll be different motivations, but uh, yeah, I, I still have full trust in free people making voluntary decisions. They're not perfect. But when they make mistakes, it only hurts them. But when you turn them over to the government and put them at the Federal Reserve and they make decisions about savings and interest rates and all of this, you know, uh, 
when they make a mistake, it can be very, very painful. And that's why we have, have the ups and downs in the business cycle and uh, fear of the crack up boom and things like that. But all that now can be reflected in some people the way they use crypto. You know, the same figure, you know, uh, it's, it's outside, it's different. And uh, in some days, uh, you know, when I watch the markets very closely, I think, ah, crypto, crypto is a haven and it is the alternative and, and everything is going in there. Then another day, then you have a $2,000 dip and you say, well, maybe it's not decided for sure yet. More time is necessary. Uh, and you don't, and you want that because you don't want a, uh, because we're talking about uh, cryptos in dollar value as well. Uh, that, that's uh, still, still dollars that they're dealing with that. So this is, uh, this is the, the, the thing that, that will be worked out and people will uh, finally decide. But uh, right now, it's, uh, I, think, I find it fascinating, uh, even though I don't trade it. Uh, we, we get donations uh, for our foundation and the work that I do, and it makes sense. I speak a lot on the, on the issue. And uh, sometimes I think, well, I don't go to these conferences and talk about, well, if you buy this one and this one and sell tomorrow and do this, I don't, I don't do any of that. And I think, well, maybe, maybe why do they want to listen to me? Uh, and I think it's because they know that my goals and my influence is always to make it legal, let people make their decision. And that's why I want the environment. To me, it's, it's almost similar to if, you, if you're dealing in, uh, in religious values, you might not have to take a religious value and promote, but you want to have the freedom of choice in religion or social activities or social habits and all this and make the people make these decisions. And that should satisfy. So I think the people who don't uh, get involved are, are really very valuable. And I think of the drug issue. For years, I was uh, always against the drug war. And I represented a Bible Belt, very conservative district in Texas. And uh, when I came out for that, I thought, boy, they're going to kill me on this one. And when I uh, ran a, a second time for Congress, and they did, they tried to, both the Democrats and Republicans said, this guy doesn't even want to have a war on drugs, you know, and this sort of thing. And people would come up and say, why are you want to legalize marijuana? And I say, no, you don't have it right. It's, it's not, I don't want to uh, legalize, uh, uh, you, you know, the, a single currency or marijuana. What I want to do is legalize freedom of choice. And you make up your mind. And that's the way it should be, whether it's religion or whether it's what people take in their bodies or what they put in their wallet. And then uh, they have to assume the responsibility. And, you know, I was always impressed, uh, uh, pleasantly so, uh, during the presidential races, that most of the university students that they, you know, get a lot of blame for some of the weird stuff they do, the students were good. Uh, if they heard this message that you and I are talking about, where you, you can do what you want, but you can't hurt people, and, uh, and you can get along, but you make your choices. But I thought what would turn them off is, but if you screw up, you're going to suffer the consequences. And, and that, that they understood. So I think, the, uh, I think we have a powerful message, a libertarian message. And, 
and, and it's, it's very appealing. It just astounds me that we don't do a better job in convincing people because uh, they say you and I had a total disagreement on, on crypto. The important thing is make sure it's legal. We may have total disagreement, you know, uh, with people who have no faith and other people have different faith, as long as you don't use force. Same way with our bodies about what we eat. And uh, so it shouldn't be hard with anybody with a slight libertarian leaning that we don't look forward to the day when the government and Dr. Fauci is telling us that, that we have to take a vaccine or we can't have a job or we can't travel. That's, that's the real danger. But I put that all together, whether, whether we're talking about marijuana or crypto or religion or personal habits, it, it to me is all one thing. Dr. Paul, you have uh, inspired so many to want liberty. Uh, I'm wondering whether you have any insights on, uh, as you mentioned, this idea of growing, you know, uh, you're calling out to the remnant. You're trying to find those people who want freedom. Do you have any tips on how to find, you know, the Bitcoin remnant, how to grow that base of people who want it to want to have freedom of choice in money? Well, uh, I was taught that if you have an understanding, do the best to understand it and explain it and if it's worth anything they'll find you you know people will find you i i didn't know you uh you know three or four or five years ago and uh, i don't know when you got really involved but i didn't i didn't call you up on the phone and say hey look this is what you have to do no it doesn't work that way you have to present it and you obviously have done it you know with uh what your business is like you have an issue and you have people wanting to know what you're saying and and i think i think this is is very good so there the remnant i might use the definition slightly differently because the, the remnant are the leftovers the old leftovers the people that knew what it was like let's say we might use it. It's used biblically, you know, in the Old Testament. There was a remnant. People always, the societies would deteriorate. Well, our society is deteriorating right now. And we could argue the case that we have a remnant of those who understood what the founders were talking about because they had a pretty good understanding about libertarianism. They didn't call themselves libertarian, but they called themselves, uh, you know, defenders of liberty. And, uh, and so there, there are people out there and, it, and uh, it's taught, it's taught, taught biblically that there's always a remnant. The people are going to have memory. So even no matter what happens with the Federal Reserve and look at what they've done to the money, there's always a remnant out there that wants sound money. And, uh, and, and they hold things together. So yes, you want to appeal to them because uh, movements occur by leadership. But people in the remnant are still leaders and leaning away, even though they may be small, they may be clinging uh, to, to the truth. And uh, so they're the ones, so they have to be used to popularize uh, the issues. If you want sound money, people have to know about it. If people, uh, uh, if you want to, and right now what I work on so much is, is this crazy stuff going on with coronavirus. I want people to be more sensible with their medicine and uh, through their care and, you know, all this. So you have to finally get the people to come out and support, but you have to have people believing. And uh, I was always on the assumption that uh, if you look at it and say, well, Ron, this sounds real good, but when are you going to get your 51% so you can win all the election? It doesn't work that way. You have to, you need about 8%, 8, 
8% of the people or so that are very supercharged and they're leaders and they're, they're thinking about these things. And uh, then they influence the others. And then you can get the crowds to come out and shift the, the attitude. So uh, that's, that's really the way, the way I approach it. And, and I, so I think the remnant, whether what, what, uh, what you could say, because I wanted to date the remnant. Yeah, there is, is true. I like it when people join the remnant, <laughs> you know, we are, we're part of a, the residual of uh, some beliefs that personal liberty is far superior to uh, anything else. Uh, to, to, the, to me, it's individualism versus authoritarianism, volunteerism versus coerciveness. Back to the show in a moment after a word for the sponsors of the show. Unchained Capital are building Bitcoin native financial services. So if you're holding some Bitcoin, but you want to learn how to use multi-signature, Unchained Capital have a great solution to help you with this. So you can have a concierge onboarding service where they will have two calls with you. They'll ship you the hardware wallets, answer your questions and deposit $1,000 of Bitcoin in your vault. So you can use code Levera for that. And if you would like to use Bitcoin as part of your corporate treasury or as part of your Bitcoin retirement account. Unchained also offer solutions for this also with advanced business accounts and a concierge service that can help you move that Bitcoin into a situation where you are controlling the private keys. So go and check them out at unchained-capital.com. And lastly, CypherSafe at CypherSafe.io, producing the CypherWheel product. This is a metal seed backup product for your Bitcoins. So if you have a Bitcoin hardware wallet and you've written down the 24 words, well, this is a way to keep that backed up in a metal backup that is now fireproof and waterproof and rustproof and also can be made tamper evident. So the cipher wheel comes in a wheel shape and you slide in the tiles to back up the seed words. And in doing so, you can help make sure that you or your loved ones have access to bitcoins if an accident occurs to your hardware wallet or to that paper seed that you keep. So the orders are going out. Go and get yours at cyphersafe.io and use the code Lavera for a discount. When it comes to uh, new industries, it seems that they can become captured by the government. And and I know that in some ways, as as examples, I know previously historically you have also railed against things like financial surveillance, financial controls, things like, you know, KYC and FinCEN. Do you see that those are also influences that are coming into the Bitcoin world as well? I worry about that because uh, at one of the conferences, I met somebody that said, well, what are you doing? Oh, she says, I'm a lobbyist for Washington. I want to make sure when they write the regulation that we get protection. And that's a practical thing to do but uh because even though i believe in free market medicine if they're beating the bushes to have obamacare you know for somebody to go in there and try to save freedom of choice even in a small area that's legitimate but it was sort of a little bit disappointing but probably probably very very practical i i want to i want separation so uh i uh i i think that uh it's, it's hard to prove that uh, it's really autonomous. The, uh, the, uh, the IRS doesn't know what's going on. And uh, I think, I think they, they know exactly. Because the first time I even heard a discussion, I can't remember, it was probably Bernanke. Uh, was a chairman and we had him before the committee. And this subject came up. I don't know. Uh, uh, it sounds like a question I might have asked. Anyway, it was in the discussion. And 
he was um, he was he was not negative. You know, he says, well, we'll see how this works out. Because if, if he didn't see, he didn't come across harsh about it. So I always thought there was more tolerance of it. And uh, they know what's going on. And uh, and I think that's a, that's the thing. The ultimate thing of uh, being anonymous and, and, and secretive, uh, it, that's not easily achieved. And you can't, you can't even, like I said, in 1933, <laughs> even if you were well prepared, Roosevelt's going to call in the gold. Well, you know, and this is—it's it's all the issues. Uh, what, what if people think that the ultimate protection is owning a gun? <laughs> you know, uh, societies have taken guns from people, and our governments are capable of doing that too. So the issue is personal liberty. You know, you know all these things that I think about. Mm. And uh, I'm also—I'd also love to get your views on. Uh, I know uh, Mises is a great scholar that uh you know we uh, regard as highly influential and i think he also saw sound money as a protection uh what are your views on that idea it's it's, it's like a protection of your rights against the government well well that's it but it should be it should be automatic the only purpose for government if you're looking for a purpose and and that is to uh protect liberty you know, making sure that if your rights are being violated, if somebody's hurting you or stealing from you or to burn down your house, that uh, if you do have a local policeman, local government, that would be the purpose. But, uh, you know, that's been long lost uh, right now. Uh, you know, I believe that uh, individuals should uh, not lie, cheat, steal or kill. But our government, guess what? It does lie on occasion. Does it ever cheat? Yeah, they cheat all the time. Do they steal? Yeah, uh, inflate and taxes and uh, and they assassinate people, even American citizens. So it's the government that should be restrained. The government should restrain those activities of private individuals. That if the if the per, private individual is lying and cheating and stealing, you you should have a recourse and, and some protection. But the, they shouldn't be involved in the welfare state. Uh, they shouldn't be involved in uh, in uh, uh, counterfeiting. Uh, instead of protecting, you know, prohibiting counterfeiting, they become the biggest counterfeiters. You know, and, and that's uh, of course. Uh, where many of our problems are coming right now because that's where the big state comes from and that's where our wars come from. That's where the runaway welfare comes from. And of course you could say, well, yeah, it causes chaos, but it gives the motivation to somebody think about cryptocurrencies, you know, maybe it's an alternative. So uh, the, the people will have a, have a reaction to it. Uh, they react rather quickly when government comes in and they, uh, put on a lot of regulations, usually, you know, even under the worst circumstances, um, Soviet system or whatever, there is always a black market. You know, you, you have to survive surviving. And of course, the first ones to jump into the black market are the politicians, you know, to get away from the market. But, you know, so <laughs> if they have socialized medicine, everybody's in the socialized medical system. Yeah, uh, unless you're a government official, then you'll have a private doctor. That's, that's the kind of rottenness. But you know, that's hypocrisy. And that's one thing that we talk about on my uh, television program is that this whole idea of hypocrisy right now is really getting people's attention. You don't even have, you know, it's more powerful than arguing, you know, the details of of what the government should do or shouldn't do, but the hypocrites that are coming in and saying, these are the rules and you can't do this. And, and, uh, 
at the same time, they don't even follow the rules. That right now, we're finding that is the greatest uh, incentive for people to wake up and, and, and believe our side rather than theirs because they're hypocrites. You, you know, how about finishing up in a little bit? I got to go in a few more minutes. Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, so I, I guess uh, perhaps uh, we could just uh, close out with uh, what your thoughts are on the outlook for liberty uh, over the next, let's say, five years. Do you think we're, we're going in a, in, a, in a good direction or in a bad direction or a, you know, kind of <laughs> neutral? Well, uh, <clears throat> next two or three will be very, very bad on our civil liberties our, and our wealth. And there will be, you have to uh, liquidate debt when it gets out of hand. And debt is the problem. And it's been encouraged because of the monetary system. And when this happens, it, it's not only the debt, but it's the malinvestment too. And that's why we have corrections. And uh, I think when you stymie the correction, see last fall, uh, that, uh, you know, when that, when we had an overnight rate surge and they had a shortage and interest rates went to 10%, that was before coronavirus, but coronavirus came in, I think to distract us from that, but it was way out of proportion. It was a huge bubble there. Uh, it was bigger. It was already bigger than the NASDAQ bubble and the housing bubble. So the correction was there. The debt has to be liquidated to correct it and, uh, it, and the malinvestment, bad mistakes, investment. And that's painful. So that's why politicians cannot tolerate that. They'd rather delay the inevitable and they want to liquidate debt, but they want to do it through uh, debasement of the currency. So they just print and print and print and they get all upset. The prices aren't going up fast enough. We want to liquidate debt in debt faster. But regardless of what happens, the debt gets liquidated and we're in the process of, and, and you, everybody thinks it's only uh, coronavirus that has these businesses going broke. There are, you know, let's say if you take a thousand small businesses and 500 are gone, because it went bankrupt and the, and the coronavirus and lockdown made the difference. There's another group that was more frugal and they had been savers and they could do it. And they might've been buying up some of those assets. So that, that assort, uh, you know, the assorting out, it has to occur, but they, um, they think that, um, that, that, that this, this can go on, but it don't, it's going, it's going to be resolved. So the answer is in the next few years, regardless, even if they got more sensible about the lockdown, we still have the liquidation, which I would say is going to have about two or three years. Out. And if they really, really are stupid, they could prolong the depression for like they did in the 1930s. The depression really lasted for 15 years from the early, through the 30s and till the war was over. You know, there was uh, it took all that time for people to get back to working again. So if you did the right thing, now that's the best part if you want to do that. And, uh, this is the bit of optimism. If we did everything right, if we bit the bullet and we knew we had to have this surgical treatment for our cancer and have it and be cured, that'd be one thing, but nobody's going to do that. There's no way the politicians will back off on spending. And that's and it's not the Democrats fault. It's a bipartisan because one wants to spend the money on the wars, the other on welfare. And just yesterday, there was another agreement in spite of all of this hollering screaming about what's going on. Even in the midst of the, uh, uh, of the impeachment hearings, there was a pause for the Republicans and Democrats to go over and vote for you know, money to be spent. So that's gonna continue, but there will be liquidation. 
and I think the liquidation will come with uh, runaway inflation. So um, the question, when's that going to happen and when will it work? We're not going to do it the right way. They did it that way in 1921. And after a year, everything was back. They were back to work again. So it's going to take a while. So uh, I guess if we were, if we could get the liquidation down and, and, and then a, a got into uh, you know, sound economic policy, it would take at least 10 years. I think in longer terms, uh, for the correction, because I have a homeschooling program, and I get the young kids that can't even go to school now, and the schools are horrible, and uh, I work real hard with uh, young people, and we, we're doing better now because the schools are closed, and, but I think the answer is found in, in education, and I think the great harm has been done by our universities. So uh, predicting times, predicting the time of the crash, impossible. Austrian economics said, you know there is coming, but you don't know the day. There'll be some psychological or some event that we don't know about will cause the crash and the, and the liquidation. The most important thing is, what are you gonna replace it with? You know, are you going to replace it with just a variation of Keynesianism, or are you going to go with the Marxist Leninists that are already in our government, uh, or are we going to excite enough people to understand the difference between freedom and authoritarianism? Fantastic, Dr. Paul. For any listeners who would like to follow you online or subscribe to the Liberty Report, where can they find you online? Okay, I do a daily uh, live show on on, uh, on, ta- on on our computers. Uh, and that is ronpaullibertyreport.com. It's 11 o'clock uh, central time. And uh, we've been doing quite well lately because we've talked about coronavirus and uh, the election and mostly uh, current events and a lot of foreign policy. Well, Dr. Paul, I want to respect your time. I just want to thank you so much for being an inspiration for many of us. And thank you again for joining me on the show today. Nice to be with you. I hope you enjoyed hearing Ron Paul's views on monetary freedom. He has certainly been an inspiration for many of us. So this was a very special one for me. Also, I've got a really great interview coming up with Neil Ferguson, the historian. So make sure you are subscribed in your podcatcher application. Search Stefan Levera podcast for that one. And you can find the website at stefanlevera.com. That's it for me. Thanks. And I'll see you in the Citadels.